Hello and welcome to Bible Wake Up to the Word. I told you that was going to happen again. Wake Up to the Word with our studio audience that does not exist. So glad that you're here to join us. Let me start the clock. And, uh, no, I can't start the clock. We're getting there. Let me get myself together here. Sorry, thought I was ready to go. And uh, we are on the clock. Uh, this is episode three. We're so glad you're here joining us. And uh, my apologies for uh, the audio on episode two. We uh, didn't check and make sure that we had it set on the right settings. And uh, that was my fault. And it was a little distant. So, uh, uh, but we're got that corrected and we're glad you're here. So, Sure. Got to make sure we have our on the air sign so people in the other room can know that we are on the air. Okay, so uh, apologize for the rat bad audio. Our coffee for the day uh, is uh, Black Rifle, and I um, inadvertently told you that my blend was Liberty, but it's not. It's Freedom Roast. This is a Freedom Roast. It's a medium blend, and it is delicious. So if you like Black Rifle coffee, and it is a veteran-run uh, coffee company, so it's very cool, and the coffee's very good, and uh, I'm enjoying it, so uh, get yourself some Black Rifle. I love coffee, so that's why I share it. Nobody really cares, so uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> you can uh, get the coffee if you want, uh, if you're a lover of coffee. I'll try to do a different one, but um, I stuck with this one because I got the wrong name last week, so Freedom Roast by Black Rifle. Delicious. Okay, change of format a little bit, um, and this may happen from time to time because I'm just uh, uh, new to this uh, podcast thing, but um, uh, because uh, we're, we're doing so much content, uh, I, I uh, really had to rush through the last episode, episode two, to get the New Testament part in. So I'm going to break this up into two weekly podcasts. I'll record it all, all at the same time, one right after the other, but... Uh, to make things a little less tense, um, we're going to break this up. We're going to have uh, the Old Testament, and as you know, in our in our Bible reading plan, our chronological Bible reading plan, the first four days, Monday through Thursday, is Old Testament, and then Friday is New Testament. So the Old Testament uh, podcast will release on Thursday mornings, and the New Testament podcast will release on Friday morning. So it'll it'll coincide with what you're reading, and it'll help you out there, and it'll help me out. I won't feel rushed. I'll be able to go through the content in a relaxed way, as relaxed as I am. And uh, then we can uh, work our way through that. So uh, cool stuff. So uh, we're going to start our reading for this week is uh, Genesis 7 and 8, Genesis 9 and 10, and then we go to Job. We don't finish Genesis. We go to Job 1 through 4, 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. And so we're going to uh, talk about that split in a little bit. But um, 7 and 8, we talked a little bit uh, about 6 and the flood. And so we're going to continue that. And, and the reason I didn't get into the details there is because when I get into Job, we're going to have to go back to six and talk about that. So they are connected and I wanted to, to do that. So um, 
Let's get into seven. Uh, uh, the Lord God said to Noah, uh, you and all your household, I have seen righteous before men, this generation, take with you seven pairs of clean animals, male and female, and pairs of animals, uh, uh, clean animals, and seven pairs of birds. So he's taking the seven clean animals. We've always heard the Bible story, uh, two by two, they came in, you know, uh, Noah brought the animals in two by two, and... Um, but there were seven pairs of clean animals and seven birds. So why would that be? Because a couple of reasons, uh, potentially. Um, the first one, kind of an obvious reason, um, food. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you're you're going to uh, have some food uh, during that. But they weren't eating meat, so eh, maybe not that. That was one suggested reason. And then the, the other reason is sacrifice. He's getting these animals for sacrifice because the sacrificial system is in place. And uh, even though it's not, the law is not in place, there's obviously some kind of offering, sacrificial offering. You saw it with Cain and Abel, and you'll see it here with Noah. So uh, the food thing uh, is potentially, as we get to the end of the flood, you'll see that that comes into play. And if he can eat the food, if he doesn't have any then we uh, he needs more to replenish that clean animals so and obviously there's a difference between the clean animals and the unclean animals and so that's already in place as well so um cool things to think about and to uh, consider and um so uh, uh noah is 600 years old when uh the flood waters come and uh, floods the earth, and uh, it he's in the ark for a year. So even though it was 40 days and 40 nights, and uh, we can talk about this water because it wasn't just the rain. It was all, there was water that came up, the floodwaters came. Um, <clears throat> the Lord shuts him in, and then the waters come up, and and the waters uh, from from the depths come up, and the waters rain down on the earth. So um, the fountains of the deep, this is chapter 8, the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were finally closed. The rain from heaven was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continued at the end of the 150 days and the water was abated. In the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains, tops of the mountains were seen. And on, and at the end of the 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark he had made and sent forth a raven. So we know about this. If you've read it, he sent the ravens out. And then finally, the dove returns with the olive branch. And so... That's always been symbolic from then. So we have some cool things going on. Uh, <clears throat> one is that um, the floodwaters continued for the 40 days. The water increased and rose above the earth. It says it prevailed, increased the heavens of the earth, and the waters prevailed mightily on the earth. All the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. Now, people say and think that 
uh, and geologists and, and smart people, scientists, uh, they say that if the water was as high as the mountains, covered all the mountains, and we know that at least now that, you know, we have Mount uh, uh, Everest and uh, highest mountain, and if the water was that high, it would just collapse the mantle of the earth. And I don't doubt that their science is correct and their calculations are correct because math is math. And so I don't have any problem with that. The problem is equating the mountains of this time with the mountains of now. There were two different worlds, two different earths. Part of the protection of the earth was the waters that were outside as we discussed in with the firmament, the, the sky in between the waters above and the waters below. There was some kind of water uh, canopy, some kind of water protection, and that's what came down, that protection that protected people from bad rays, that protected the earth uh, from many things, uh, but that water is what came down. Now, the earth itself was different as well as... Uh, the word for mountains is also the word for hills. So the highest hills, the highest. So I don't doubt that there was ranging topography up and down. But because there had not been this catastrophe, this catastrophic event yet on the earth, uh, the earth was created probably far less uh, mountainous. And we see when we get to uh, some of the Psalms that God pushed down the earth and raised up the mountains and there's there's um great evidence for that happening when you just look at the mountains you can see that the 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 uh the earth itself changed in and spiked up and you can see the mountain was formed and that still happens today as mountains and earthquakes and things happen um but this contained the water. So people say, what happened to the water of Noah's day? What happened to it? it, it you know, uh, yes, some of it evaporates, sure, but it still stays in this system, the 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 uh, environmental system that the world has. Well, uh, I conclude that the water is all still here. God created the water within the closed system, including the water canopy, and that water collapsed onto the earth. It came up from underneath, and that water is still here. That water didn't go anywhere. It works its way in and through the system. If you ever have had a, uh, oh, what are these things called? It, it's a, uh, you make yourself a little greenhouse, uh, um, I'm, I'm having a loss of words, uh, but uh, you put plants in it and it's it's a closed in system and you put some water in there and but you don't have to keep watering it an atrium. There you go. You make an atrium. Uh, the the uh, you put some water in there and the water continues to feed the plants and evap evaporates uh, up. Uh, and then you see the condensation on the inside of the glass, and then it drops down in and feeds the thing, again, the plants again, and the plants give off the water into the soil, and the soil evaporates, it comes back, and the atrium sustains itself. Well, that's what the world does, too. The water is in there. God created it all within, and it's still all here in different forms, in the form of clouds, in the form of oceans, in the form of lakes, in the form of rivers underground and above ground rivers it's all still here and it's part of the system that god has created for self-sustaining so that's all just just uh, very cool stuff and you can read through the intricacies of these things within scripture 
if you're willing to, to take the time and look at it. So uh, God makes a covenant with Noah. We know about the rainbow. Uh, the rainbow has been kind of co-opted into another uh, organization. Uh, but <clears throat> but we know the rainbow to mean that God will never uh, send his wrath on the earth again in the form of water. He's not going to do that again. The world will never be completely flooded again. And um, so we get into to, to 9 and to 10. And uh, 10 is... Uh, uh, a cool chapter in that it talks about the nations, the nations descended from Noah. This is going to be important as we get further on in Scripture. So make sure you kind of read through that. It's a little, it's a little uh, uh, bogged down in its reading, but you see some cool stuff, some names that are going to come up later on. Magog, right? You, you're gonna, you, you already know about that if you've read the Bible at all. You'll hear about that in the end times. Um, but you have descendants from Shem, and you have descendants from Ham, you have descendants from Japheth, and these descendants are uh, throughout the world. So you see Egypt and Canaan, you see Cush, uh, Nimrod, he's an important one, we'll talk about him in a little bit uh, in episodes in the future. Uh, but Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord, so remember that, a mighty man. And so we're going to come back to him. Uh, but the kingdom beginning, his kingdom was Babel. So when we get to that, uh, we'll talk about that. But that's chapter 11, and we're not going to get to that till after we finish Job. So that's going to be a pause. <clears throat> so then you get to Shem, and you start to see some of these other names. So, so uh, uh, Aram, Uz, that's an important one too when we get to Job. Uh Sheila, Eber, and then the name of one was Peleg, for in his day the earth was divided. So what does that mean? <coughs> I'm so sorry about the cough. <coughs> Whenever I start chattering, I get a cough. <laughs> so uh, this, um, the earth was divided. Now, people think that it, it talks about uh, that this occurred during um, the Babel. Um, but I, but I would concur. I would say that this happened after Babel. But it's the genealogy, so it just ran itself through. And there's kind of a, I'll come back to it in a bit. But what occurred once uh, once Babel occurred and the people went their separate ways, there was a time period in the days of Peleg where the the waters rose to a level that cut off the land bridges and stopped people from migrating to the different continents, okay? And um, what do I mean by that? Well, when if you have uh, waters above, as in Noah, and waters below, the waters above are going to be cold, they're going to be in a freezing temperature, and they're going to be magnetic. So when they come down, the flood of Noah was not just a flood of water, of rain, it was also a flood of ice and sleet and slush. And so this was cold. The water came from above down, and being magnetic, it would have been drawn to the poles. So there would have been a lot more uh, snow and ice on the poles. And after the flood, now I told you about the the uh, the sun, the rays from the sun, and what this this thing did that this water canopy did. Uh, now the rays are more intensive, and you can see them. Uh, 
it, they're, they're warming up more. So the poles have this uh, snow and ice and they began to melt and the waters in the oceans began to rise. So this would show us this glacial age that we've talked about that supposedly happened, uh, you know, millions of years ago, which uh, I don't believe that that happened. I believe that the, it, it fits within the biblical account within the thousands of years and the melting cut off the land bridges after the Tower of Babel. But that was in the day of Peleg that we see here in chapter 10. And so... Um, so uh, we're going to stop here and we're going to go to Job because we, we get through uh, the flood and Noah and, and there's so much more that we could go to. But I gave you some highlights there. So now we'll get into Job and we're going to have to cut back at, at, at some point to uh, chapter 6 with Job. And uh, so um, I'm going to uh, come in Job. So then right here at the beginning of Job, it talks about... Uh, a man in the land of Uz. So remember, we just talked about the land of Uz when we went through the descendants. So he, this is where Job lived. And he was a man blameless and upright. And he had uh, seven sons and three daughters. And he, he possessed uh, 7,000 sheep and 3,000 cattle. Notice there's no money here. This is all about possessions. And uh, uh, so uh, now as we get to chapter uh, verse 6, now there was a day... When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Okay. So I'm going to stop right there because uh, back in 6, we talked about uh, when man began to multiply the face of the earth, the daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took to them their wives. Now, one of the uh, biblical... One of the interpretations of that is the sons of God in Genesis are godly men went to the daughters, uh, uh, the sons of God are godly men and the daughters of men are ungodly women. Uh, so this, this unequally yoking. So I would say the same terminology exists here in Job. And it says the sons of God came to the, came to the, to present themselves to the Lord and Satan also came among them. So the sons of God came to present themselves to the Lord. This, this is a picture of a divine council meeting. And Satan comes in and presents himself also to the Lord within the divine council. And so now we have to ask ourselves, what, why? I thought Satan uh, rebelled and was cast out. Why is he in the presence of God? Okay, great question. So... <clears throat> That is, um, Satan is a title, not necessarily a distinct person or a distinct divine being. Um, it could be the same being, absolutely could be. Maybe there's only one Satan, but Satan's a title. It's, it's an adversary. It's a, it's a, uh, an emissary. It's a, uh. Uh, accuser, uh, uh, a uh, contrarian, if you will. So it's someone who's always taking the opposite, someone who's always opposing. And so why would God create or have within his divine counsel a contrarian, a, a, an accuser, an adversary, 
Why would he have one of those people? Because God is all wise. And he knows that you can't just have yes men. You can't, if you're going to have freedom of thought, free thinking, free will, you can't just have a singular opinion. If, if people are going to live in freedom, they have to have freedom of thought, expression, ideas. God expresses that even within his divine counsel. Of course, God's ways are the best. Of course, God's ways are right and pure and good. Of course they are. But to have true freedom, you have to have the opposite opinion. You have to have the opposite possibility. And that is what God has here. Now, Satan comes in, the, sa- the Satan. There is a an article, the word the, in the original language. So the Satan comes in, and the Lord says to the Satan, from where have you come? Satan says, from going to and fro on the earth. And he says, and what have you discovered? And he says, have you considered my my uh, servant Job, blameless in all his ways? And he says, and so the contrarian the accuser says, yeah, but why? Why is he blameless? Why does he only follow after you? Because you've protected him from everything. That's why. And so this, well, yeah, I guess that's probably possible. So uh, this is uh, one of the whys. So um, Satan went out uh presented to the Lord, uh, from the presence of the Lord, and the Lord told him that he's going to stretch out his hand, and you can, you can, uh, uh, he says, if you take your hand away, he'll curse you to your face, and so the Lord said to sit to the Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hands, only against him do not stretch out your hand, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and this is when all the mayhem starts. So Satan goes, um, he takes Job's property and his children, okay? So um, one thing you'll see from Job is that his sons were having parties every day, inviting the daughters to come and have parties with them. And Job was going and offering sacrifices and going behind them and praying for them and offering forgiveness to God. And so Job was an enabler. So, uh, you know, you want to look at Job was upright in every way. He, yeah, he, he, he was kind of enabling his children by uh, coming in behind them and, and kind of making things right. So, um, um, so, uh, so he, he wasn't perfect, and that's not what it says. He, he, he followed after God. That's what it said. And so uh, it, it is possible to be human and to be righteous. And that's following after God in all your ways. And so that's important to understand. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect, and it doesn't mean you won't make any mistakes. What it means is your heart will follow after God. We see that uh, again in the future with David, he, man after God's own heart. Man, did he make mistakes. Boy, did he sin. So Job is the same way. Yes, he has his flaws. He's human. He does have flaws. But his heart is for God. He's always chasing after God. Great lesson there. So... Satan attacks, takes his health. Uh, then he says, you know, you, if he had his health, you, uh, you know, you, then he'd curse you. So he takes his health, he makes him sick, he gives him boils, he's got uh, stuff on his skin. And then Job's three friends come. And, and I'm going to kind of wrap this up here. You got a friend that's hurting, you got a friend that's sick. 
This is how to be a good friend at the end of verse two. After that, they suck as friends, okay? But <laughs> up to then, right at the end of verse two, this is what, this is how friends should be. I'm going to read from 11 through 13. Now, when Job's friends heard of all this, all this evil that had come upon him, <clears throat> they came from his, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz, Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite. And Zophar, the Naamathite. They made an appointment together to come show him sympathy and comfort. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voice and wept and tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him but they saw that his suffering was great. You don't have to talk to bring comfort, okay? You you can just go be with somebody and let them know you care about them and you love them, okay? So I'm going to I'm going to end the Old Testament part here, but I have some questions to answer. We got some questions that came up last week. I'm going to try to answer them best I can. The first question was about um Seth being born I'm going to go back to, uh, next time I'll probably start off with the questions, but um, um, send them in. You can send them in by email. You can uh, you can uh, send them to uh, Pastor Jeff at lifecoast.org, uh, and uh, I'll get that question. Um, so at the, in the beginning here, we have uh, Cain and Abel being born, and... and uh, in Genesis chapter 4, now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel, and then it goes on to tell the story of Cain and Abel. But then when we get to chapter 5, it says that, uh, uh, we go to verse 3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Okay? So the question was from Cindy, who lives here in Palm Coast. Great question. Uh, why did it say in his image for Seth, but not for Cain and Abel? Great question. Now, I don't have a definitive answer on that, but uh, what it seems is that um, Seth is a child of the promise, uh, and, 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 uh, but he is still in the image of Adam, which is sin nature. And I believe that that's why that is emphasized there, even though, yes, Cain and Abel had sin nature as well. Um, uh, they weren't the children of the promise. Cain ends up being cursed. Abel ends up dying. So there's not a promise on them, but Seth is, and the lineage goes through Seth. And so the as we go through uh, uh you see the the generations that right there in chapter five of Adam, it begins with Seth. And Seth is not born until Adam's 130 years old. And Eve is the one who's recognizing the promise that's put on Seth. Now, he had other sons and daughters, so there were other children that were had. And so that's important to understand that it, it took a long time, 130 years before God had proclaimed the generations continuing or 
uh, he was going to keep track through Seth, okay? So that's the answer. It's kind of a roundabout answer. It may not have all the details that we want, but that's that's what uh, I've discovered on that one. The next question was from uh, Wendy, and she asked about Cain. And, uh, and uh, another great question, I've heard this one before, is that Cain was cursed and sent out, and then he... Uh, took a wife, Cain knew his wife, she conceived and bore Enoch, okay, not that Enoch, but the, another one, uh, it says, Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden, he knew his wife, who's, Eni who's, who's Abel's, who's Cain's wife, was the question from Wendy, so, uh, great question, but you, you notice that in the genealogies, uh, it says Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters. And so uh, the, um, the genealogies are, 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 you look and see, there's 130 years before Seth was born. So uh, it's not saying how, when Cain had a wife, there wasn't a time frame put on that. And so Cain married either one of his sisters, one of his, one of his nieces, one of his, uh, but a relative. He married a relative. And so how can that happen? Well, it can happen because uh, they are closer to the perfection of genetics that Adam and Eve had. Uh, we get into genetic issues because we're farther and farther away from the perfection. And that's why relatives uh, have problems uh, when they are, they are born. But Adam and Eve were born and they were very good. So their genetic... Um, starting point was was really good and so there wasn't the genetic issues so <clears throat> one of the things we have here uh in the final minutes that i have for the old testament is i have a bible timeline that's here i'm going to put that in jeff's stack of stuff so if you uh, want to see where things are happening and on that timeline we have way here at the beginning um where does job come in and, and the, the best guesstimate is about uh uh, uh, 2100 to 1900, um, uh, before Christ. So BC. <clears throat> so, um, he's, he's, um, he lived in the time, uh, after the flood, obviously, and potential and before Moses, before the law. And so we know that. I know that's a broad span, but that's that's just where it is. So this timeline will be in the stack of stuff, and it may not be the end-all, be-all, but it's a great uh, great spot, uh, timeline of biblical history. And then, uh, so there's three possibilities of when Job lived, and um, uh, I have a document here from Amazing Bible Timeline. That's where this comes from, and that's where this, this article comes from. And so the three possibilities, one is that he lived after the flood and long before Moses, so the 2350 BC, but before 1750 BC. And there's lots of little reasons for that. And then the second reason is Job lived after Joseph, but before Moses, uh, 1650 BC and before 1500 BC. And there's a few reasons why that's thought of. And then the third reason, the third possibility is Job lived during Moses' lifetime, and there's some reasons there. So... <clears throat> So there's your problems, lots of opinions, lots of thoughts. This uh, uh, document will also go into Jeff's stack of stuff. 
and you can read that uh, if you want to download that. That is on www.wakeuptotheword.org. Jeff's stack of stuff is there down in the bottom on the left-hand corner. Click on the bald head and you'll see Jeff's stack of stuff and you can download anything from that. Everything I use here, I pop up on Jeff's stack of stuff and you can grab it from there. So this is the end of our Old Testament uh, episode, episode number three. So uh, we'll see you tomorrow and you can get our New Testament episode number four. Okay? Love you guys. Uh, theme music, studio audience. So glad you guys joined us. I didn't get a lot of uh, sound effects in there, but uh, <laughs> so I guess I failed. There we go. So we'll, we'll see you guys. Uh, tune in tomorrow for episode four of Wake Up to the Word, a New Testament edition. There you go.